we just stand up on our feet real quick? Matthew 6.10, we're still in the vein of heaven come. And, and Matthew 6.10 says something simple. Your kingdom come. Let's just read it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So, Father, bless your word in Jesus' name. You go ahead and be seated. Slap five with somebody and say, God is drawing up a play in your life. He's God is, I, I named this message the heaven, heaven's playbook. Heaven has a playbook. Amen. Heaven has a playbook, and I believe that God is, is drawing up a play, and I want to paint a picture for you. If you don't mind, Dustin, if you could play that. I had a vision uh, a couple of weeks ago about a football game. Come on, you can, and, and you can turn it down just a little bit. And I had a vision of a football game. Come on, somebody, get in this game with me. And in this game, it was the fourth quarter, and you were down 20 points. Somebody say, oh, no. All right. The fans were beginning to clear out the stands when all of a sudden, somebody say all of a sudden, the coach calls a timeout. And as you walk to the huddle, you were exhausted and you were discouraged. And the coach, you know, he wanted to encourage you and you were so like, oh, I don't want to receive encouragement because I know he's going to encourage me. But you go into the huddle and the coach begins to encourage you and say the game is not over. Somebody say the game is not over. And then the coach did something crazy. He drew up a crazy play. Somebody say a crazy play. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't anything logical. It's nothing that you have seen before. But because of desperation, because of the desperation of the team, they knew they were born to win. They knew they were born to do more than what they were doing right now. They knew they weren't called to lose. They knew they weren't called to be at the bottom, but at the top. Am I talking to anybody here today? Because of desperation at this point, they do anything not to lose. Going back out onto the field, they felt a little tingle in their bodies as encouragement began to swell up and the quarterback began to call the play that the coach gave in the huddle. And something odd began to happen. The defensive side was thrown off. They studied your team, but they were confused because they've never seen a formation like this. They've never heard a play called out like this. And as the quarterback received the snap, he realized that the defense was startled. And as he faked the pass here, and then he faked the pass here, and then he ran right down the middle because the defense was startled and didn't know what to do. He ran 60 yards right into the end zone. Somebody say, touchdown. Come on, say it like you believe in touchdown. What happened? The momentum had shifted, and by the end of the game, you had won by a touchdown. What happened? It was a turnaround moment. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody praise God like he just did a touchdown in your life. Come on, somebody praise like you just scored a touchdown in your community, like you just touched down a touchdown in your job. Come on, like you just scored a touchdown. People are getting saved all around you. Glory to God. Uh, manifestations of healing and deliverance. Governments are being changed. Touchdown. Uh, oh, come on. Legislations are being changed. Touchdown. Rules are being overruled. Touchdown for Jesus. Touchdown for Jesus. Touchdown for Jesus. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Woo! Play that again. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. Come on. Come on, what would you do if your favorite team, the Giants, the Warriors, whatever you're... Come on, O'Shea, you wearing a jersey. I'm wearing a Jesus jersey. You can't see it, but it's in my spirit. Glory to God. Somebody say, touchdown! Touchdown! Okay, okay. 
Thank you, Lord. So what happened? It was a turnaround moment, and God is calling a timeout, and he's about to draw a play in your life that's going to confuse the enemy. Momentum is shifting, and the enemy is going to be confused. He's going to be startled, and he's going to be put on his heels. Get ready for a turnaround in your finances. Get ready for a turnaround in your emotions. Get ready for a turnaround in your relationships. Get ready for a turnaround in your ministry. God is drawing up a play that is going to cause you not just to pay your bills and meet your budget, but that you will have money left over in order to bless others. Come on. God's drawing up a crazy play. It doesn't make sense. You say, Lord, I tried to. What? Remember when Jesus said to them, uh, we, you know, we, we told all night, Jesus, we've been out here and now Jesus is saying, I'm drawing up a play in your life and you need to cast your net on this side of the boat. Whoa. (laughs) Jesus was drawing up a play in their life. And what happened? They caught so much that they had other partnerships to come to help them. I want to tell you, get ready, because this is a time that I believe that God is saying that he's going to draw up a play in your life. And this play, this play is, is going to be a blessing to others. I decree a turnaround in your business. I decree a turnaround in your relationships. Whatever it is that you need a turnaround in, I want you to start to think about that. Let God highlight it to you today, because I believe under the sound of my voice that it's going to happen. Joseph told his brothers that what they meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Genesis 50, 20, he said to his brothers, he was bold. Somebody said, you got to be bold. He, he said he looked right at his uh, brothers, the one who sold him in slavery. How many times have you looked in the, in the face of the enemy? How many times have you looked in the face of your opposition and said, you plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good in order to preserve the lives of many. This turnaround is not about you. That's the first thing you got to know. The turnaround is just not so that you can get vindication, that you can get revenge, but the turnaround is so that you can be a blessing. God has preserved you. God has kept you you should have lost your mind you shouldn't even be here right now but God kept you for this moment he preserved you have you ever had something that was preserved even though it went through years and years of trials and testing you're still here you're still standing you didn't give up you didn't back down and now God is saying I didn't just preserve you so you can people can but yeah I guess so that people can eat and say wow this is really good it's not for you but it's for others God didn't preserve you for you, but he preserved you for others. What the enemy meant for evil, God is turning around. The enemy has thrown his best at you, and it looks like he's winning. But I decree that this is a season of a turnaround. Great favor will be released on you. Favor that brings you from the pit to the palace. And again, it's not about position for your purpose. It's about position for his purpose. Many times as believers, we can get into this place where we rebel against the system. We rebel. We don't want to be at the top. Listen, if you ain't at the top, who will be? God wants to put many of you at the top. God wants to put many of you right in the middle of things so that you can be the leaven, that you can be the bread, that you can bring the change. Somebody say amen to that. God put you in Washington, D.C. God put you in this region. Some of you have tried to get out. Some of you have tried to run. But God has you here for a purpose. Somebody say purpose. And the enemy should have never messed with your family. He should have never tried to rob from you. If the enemy would have known what Joseph would have done, if the enemy would have known what Jesus would have done, come on, somebody. 
as we're declaring heaven come, I'm angry at the devil today. That's okay, right? That's okay. Be mad at the devil. So I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. And I'm speaking to something in our region. I'm speaking to something right now. And I need you guys to tap in with me because I believe something is about to turn around. Something's about to shift. Some momentum is about to happen here at Relentless. Amen. It's already happening. It's already taking place. A key component to this shift, which we've been declaring heaven come, is from being out of the game to into the game. You cannot see yourself. This is not the game. This is the timeout. This is the time where the coach calls the huddle. This is the time. This is a one of those timeouts, the, the time to encourage you, the time to say, come on and get out into the game. Church is not the game. And too many of us, and myself included, have found ourselves out of the game instead of in the game. But I want to tell you today that we're going to go from a losing mindset to a winning mindset. Many times we can only win when we're in church. We can only win when we're in the service. And then when we get out there, we feel like we've been defeated. That's a lie from the devil. And that's only because many times we exalt the church above the kingdom of God. Hello? I'm talking to somebody, I hope. And I believe that God is saying that we're going from being out of the game to into the game, from a losing mindset to a winning mindset. And this is going to take a paradigm shift. Somebody say paradigm. A paradigm is a conceptual grid through which reality is perceived. This is the way my mama did it. This is where my grandmama did it. This is where my grand-grand-grandmama do it. And this is the way I'm going to do it. You guys ever heard about the turkey story, the chick turkey story? The grandma with the turkey? If you didn't, or maybe you didn't hear it, I'll just say it real quick. So it was Thanksgiving time, which is coming up soon. And, and uh, they put this uh, big old turkey in, uh, uh, I mean, this little, t- how did it go? Was it little turkey? Big turkey. <laughs> Never mind. It's a, sh- it's a change coming. I haven't told the story in a while. Y'all forgive me. All right. So a paradigm shift is a change in the grid that enables us to see reality in a different, different and often more effective way. I was talking to my wife the other day, and as I was talking to her, she said, Malik, you know, one thing that, uh, that the kids have said to me was, um, uh, uh, you, daddy's never here. Now, how many know that hurt your heart? But she said, in my eyes, you're always here. Like, you're just here not some of the time. But because my kids don't have a concept of time, it seems as though you're never here. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And so she had a shift in the way that she thinks. And I had to have a shift in the way that I saw this reality because I was looking through it in my box. I am there. I do come. I do put them to bed. I sing to them. We do go out. We do go hang out. I take Caleb every once or twice a week just with me alone. But the truth is, is that there is a paradigm shift that I need to make and a greater effort. I'm just being vulnerable. Is that okay? Because uh, sometimes we think we got it all together, but I don't. And so I'm, I need to make a shift. Somebody say a shift so that I can meet that need in my children. So there's already been paradigm shifts that we have seen in the Bible. Salvation by grace through faith was a shift for the, for the uh, body of believers. Salvation, uh, uh, healing, deliverance, all those things were a shift that, that uh, God brought into the earth. Jesus brought a re- until the restoration of all things. But once a paradigm shift is, starts, it's hard to go back. Let me read this for you. This is something I wrote out while I was thinking about this. One paradigm shift that I feel like that we're experiencing directly in this church is that we are not a pastorally led church. 
And I don't want to burst any bubbles, but we're not. We have pastors, and pastors are there to do what? To equip, to train, to cultivate, to nurture. I got that, but I want to let you know that we are not a church that is just pastorally led. We are not just a church. Uh, we, are, we are a church covered and led by apostles and prophets. And what this means is that we are not a church that is just concerned about the needs of you and only speak to the needs of you, and every decision is based off of you. Is that Okay. I hope I'm not being tough, but many times when uh, 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 many times when people in the church are not getting their needs met, they're ready to leave. Soon as there's not a ministry that's not catering towards them, they're ready to leave. Soon as something's not happening for their personal needs and desires because they live in a universe that all the stars and the planets revolve around them. And that is not the kind of church that we want to be. And that is not the kind of church that we are. I hope this is okay. I believe that God wants to meet your needs, but listen to what I say. God wants to meet your need. My God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. God wants to meet your need, and he will use his body, of course. But please don't forget that God is supernatural. He can send a raven to feed you, send a favorable wind to bless you, put a coin in the fish's mouth. The Bible says that promotion comes from the Lord. It's not coming from the church. It's not coming from the pastor. Promotion is coming from the Lord. (laughs) Please let them come back next week, Lord. (laughs) So it's my role as an apostle of this house to give vision and revelation on how to build. The prophets reveal the hindrances not only in the heart, but also in the atmosphere. Last week, uh, uh, Pastor Melody had a vision of something that was happening that it saw an alarm. And she said to Pastor Jason and Michelle, hey, I see this happening. We need to pray. And then Pastor Jason and Michelle said, this is a prophetic word from the Lord. We need to take authority. We need to do things. We even set up other means of security so that we could be safe as a church. So we have to hear what the Lord is saying. A church that is led by apostles have to lean on the prophets. We have to hear what the Lord is saying. If God spoke to uh, multiple people at one time and said, you don't need to have church today. You need to go out to Anacostia and serve the people out there. Guess what? This has to shut down and we don't have to care about tithes and offerings and all these things that pastors worry about. I'm not worried about tithes. I'm not worried about your giving. I want to see God's kingdom advance and God can take care of us out there while you got what I'm saying so we got to get out of this mindset that it's all about the church matter of fact we are not the only church we are the church that's in Springfield there's many more of our brothers and sisters I don't got enough time to preach this thing but I'm gonna try Listen, we have to get out of just me and mine. Jesus died for the whole world. And I'm sorry, when you gave your life to Jesus, you enrolled into the army of God. When you gave your life to Jesus, you said, not my will be done, but let your will be done, Lord. Jesus died for the world. We might not be able to change the world, but we can surely change our world. Another paradigm shift I want you to get today The first one is that we are a church that's led by apostles, that we're covered. We have a covering, and covering is not that they lord over us. Many times we have a bad, a misconception of what covering is. I'm covering Pastor Timothy and and Melody, but guess what? I'm not lording over them. No, I'm I'm a point of protection. I'm a point of accountability, and everything that I have, I give it to them freely. Amen. This is not a control mechanism, even though we have made it a control mechanism, and that's why people are leaving the church, and that's why people are doing all type of stuff because we have failed 
Because we've built up our empires that we've gathered people in, but we have not sent people out. And we will not do that here at Relentless. We are a sending church. We are a blessing church. If you want to go, we bless you to go. If you want to do, we bless you to do. We are a reproducing church. We want to be reproducers of reproducers that reproduce. I had a vacation this week. Glory to God. Another paradigm shift I want you to see today, this is part of being in the game, is not only that you're not a loser, you're a winner. Somebody say, I'm a winner. Another paradigm shift is I want you to get today is that if we step into this, oh, sorry, I'm reading my notes, which I probably said, you are in full-time ministry. That is a, that you have to get that. Say, I am in full-time ministry. I am in full-time ministry. Listen to this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he has appointed some. Yes, some have been given the grace to be apostles. Some have been given the grace to be a prophet. Some have been given the grace to be evangelists. And some with grace to be pastors. And some with grace to be teachers. That means not everybody is a pastor or is a teacher. Or is in this regard as far as functioning inside of the church. See, I'm a full-time in full-time church ministry. That means, but let me read on. Let me read on. And their calling, somebody say their calling is to nurture and prepare all, somebody say all, the holy believers to do their own, somebody say my own, works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So it's not just the apostles and the prophets that are building up the church. It is you that helps to build the church. It is you that works in your own ministry doing what God has called you to do. Don't look at me with that angry face. Don't talk to me with that angry face. I don't know. This grace, uh, these grace ministries will function until we all. So they function until we all. Somebody say we all. We all attain oneness. It's about oneness. It's about us all flowing in gifts. It's about us all flowing in healing and signs and wonders. It is about all of us. Somebody, one has a word. One has a song. One has a spiritual song. One is teaching. One is declaring. I mean, we're all supposed to come into this oneness where it's not about big I and little you. I'm no better than you. I answered my call. Will you answer yours? And sometimes God will pluck people out of the work world and say, I want you to directly put yourself in the full-time church ministry because there's a function in you that I want to get out of you so they can impact people who are going out. I get that. But not everybody's called to do that. These great ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Listen, we have built too much theology around the apostle and the prophet and not enough theology around oneness and around the kingdom of God. We need, listen, we need apostles. We need prophets. They have a purpose. We have a purpose, but we are not the end. Uh, they were saying that the new Avengers movies might be called the end game because they said the end game in some of their different movies. I, I don't think that's what they're going to call it, but we're in the end game and God is looking for those who down for the end game. The apostle and prophet is not the end game. We're here to equip others for the end game. Okay, let me keep going. The work of the ministry is to equip the saints to feel all things, to lead in every sphere of society. 
And there have been those who have been appointed to minister out of the office, but it doesn't end there. This ministry is prepared to equip, to train you and the believer to do the work of God. Ministry is a full-time job. Hello? It's not Clark Kent. It's not Superman. It's not you take off one cape and then you're in the, and you come to church and you put back on your cape and you fly around the sanctuary. And then you take your cape off and then you're just whatever. You are a minute. Listen, let me say this. I am called as an apostle, prophet, whatever, a friend, whatever you want to call me. I'm called to prepare you for Monday. To prepare you for Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. That you go out like I'm about to take Monday like I've never taken it before. Look at somebody say, you are a ministry waiting to happen. If you're in school, you're a ministry waiting to happen. If you're at a, a, full, a nine to five, you're a ministry. We have too many Christians want to get out the nine to five and we don't have enough in there plowing, believing God to bring the works of God into their company, into their business. The current church situation is the church is an institution where mostly everything happens once a week or inside the church building. But the early church was primarily a believer's movement in which each convert organically spread the gospel in his or her community. We are called to be the light. We are called to be the salt. The first move of God doesn't happen in Acts. The first move of God doesn't happen when everyone's speaking in tongues. The first move of God we see happens in Genesis 1-2. When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was attracted to the work of creation. The spirit is still attracted to creativity in God's image bearers. You are God's image bearers. And he's attracted to your creativity. He's attracted to the things that you can manifest that nobody else can. Hello? This means whenever believers use their natural abilities or creativity, plumbing, architecture, law, music, art, politics, social work, military, sports, whatever, they attract God's spirit. If you're called to be a math professor, then every time you teach mathematical equations, you can be filled with the spirit because of your obedience to God, given vocation as an act of worship. Your work is your worship. Hello? Hello? Some of y'all don't believe me, but my boss is the devil. Get him saved. Glory to God. Avodah. I hope I'm saying that. I'm saying that right? Avodah. In Greek, Hebrew, work. Avodah. Thank you, Kevin, the professor. Is, Avodah is a transliteration of the word. We got five minutes before you have to get your kids. So we're going to prowl. Is the transliteration of the word work and worship. In the Hebraic biblical mindset, faith and work integrate. Matter of fact, Jesus, 132 public appearances in the New Testament were in the, uh, uh, he appears publicly 132 times in the work, in, in the Bible, and 122 of those 132 were in the workplace. Hello? Jesus showed up in the workplace. Jesus showed up in the field. Jesus showed up while people were doing the stuff. Hello? He didn't, he didn't say he showed up in the synagogue. Oh, let your glory fill this temple. I love that. But we get so enamored and make church glory an idol that we're not doing the work of Jesus in the community. Can somebody please help me preach this thing? Of the 52 parables Jesus told, 45 had a workplace context. 
Jesus never addressed the sacred and secular divide because such a divide never existed in the Jewish thinking. The Jews understood that everything they did and worked was in, in the synagogue and outside of the synagogue was to be done for God's glory. Amen. Somebody say for God's glory. This is why quality is so important to Jewish workers. They are not working solely for themselves. Some of y'all, you don't like your boss, you don't like your job, so you do a half-hearted job. But listen, when you work, you're not working unto man, you're working unto the Lord. And when you work unto the Lord, the glory of God, as we saw, the Holy Spirit is attracted to that creativity, and then the Holy Spirit begins to invade your work. He begins to invade your school. He begins to invade your house and your home. Can somebody help me? They are not working for themselves, but their work is a worship to God. Let me end this like this. So when we have a paradigm shift, I believe, and I've been reading and studying, I believe that the, one of the key things to cause this shift, to cause this momentum, to cause this, is that we as a church have to begin to do prophetic acts. We have to begin to step out and, and release the voice of the Lord in whatever the context is that he's called us to do. Jeremiah goes to the potter's house to watch a vessel be broken and reformed as a lesson on how God changes the natural through the supernatural. The Lord's Supper was a prophetic act. He broke the bread, blessed the cup to symbolize not only his upcoming death, but also the redemption that would flow. Prophetic acts are important and powerful agents of change. Think about them walking around the walls of Jericho. That was a prophetic act. It was an act of obedience. It was saying, God, these walls are going to come down and we're just going to walk and we're not going to say prophetic acts don't make sense. Leaving your country like Abraham, get out of your father's house, get out of your land, get away from your family, get out of what's comfortable and go to a place that I don't even you don't even know where I'm taking you is prophetic. And we are a prophetic church. Hello. 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 Okay. Paradigm shifts usually insinuates itself through a prophetic act. So let me say this. Why are prophetic acts powerful? This is my end. John 8, 44. You belong to the father of the devil. Not you guys, but I'm just saying. But this is Jesus speaking. Now, this is not Jesus speaking in the marketplace. This is Jesus speaking to the church. He's speaking to the religious people. He's speaking in the synagogues. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Somebody say the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. The the native language of the enemy is a lie. And every time you hear a lie, you just know that, that he's speaking in his mother tongue. But your native tongue is not that's good, that's heavenly, I got it. But your native tongue is the truth because the spirit of truth is living inside of you. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. So the devil is a liar. Somebody say the devil is a liar. And he cannot stand the truth because there is no truth in him. And so he's actually lying to his demons right now. They don't even have a clue about what the end is going to look like. He's probably telling them we're going to be on the top. He's probably trying to give them the same pep talk that I'm trying to give you guys. But guess what? I read the end of the book. We win. They didn't read the end of the book. I promise you. And the primary intent of a lie is always to exert some form of control over the person that's being lied to. So, Kevin, we were walking around, and Kevin said, uh, uh, Pastor Kevin said, Malik, I, I, we, we need to break the lie. We need to, we, today, we need to break the lie. Is there a lie that you need to break over your life? Is there a lie that you need to break off of your community? Or the people here, they, 
they, they, they're too influential. They don't, they don't have time for God. That's a lie. But if you speak it and you reinforce it, the same way the angels hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord, demons hearken diligently to the voice of Satan. Let me finish this. The truth is always more powerful than a lie. When even a small group of people affected by such lies perform prophetic acts that amplifies and declares the opposite of what is particular. Uh, when a group of people come together who have been lied to and say, no, we know the truth and we're going to prophetically declare the truth of God, something begins to happen. The circle of truth is painted in the region and the devil can no longer stand in that circle because his lie has been exposed. That's why what you're doing is so powerful and Acostia, you are declaring the truth even though so many have declared the lie. Three people, praise the Lord. Romans 4, 16, 18. That's why the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and our father for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead. Come on, is there some dead things in your life? Some dead people around you? Some dead situations? Some dead companies? Some dead organizations? Some dead schools? Come on, somebody. Some Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise, expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. Can we get the worship team to come up? I love this part when it says, for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. So in our community, the Lord told me, he said, do a prophetic act. I want you to take the, 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 the cup, the, the, the Lord's Supper. I want, but I don't want you just to drink the cup. I don't want you just to eat the bread. I want you to pour it out. I want you to pour it out at the front of your community. I want you to pour it out, and I want you to take the bread, and I want you to, 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 to place it on in the front of your community and say that this community will be a place of restoration and redemption. That is called a prophetic act. And since then, we have seen witchcraft and stuff like that try to come even stronger. But just the other day, we had a group come from the church, and, and one group came. Look, this is crazy. So they drew on a, a piece of paper. Uh, I, 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 I'm just going to say the Laleem's kids. One threw on one side of the paper one thing, and the other drew on the other side uh, wrote something out and what they wrote and what they drew were the same and then they came with oil and in the midst of the oil talk uh, uh, Pastor Melody was like we should throw the oil up in the air like like a spring uh, up in the in, into the air so it was like is that okay if I just give away all the oil you just brought at my house and they were like fine and so what the kids wrote were about the fountain of life they wrote uh, on the card so nobody knows this is all prophetic somebody say prophetic so we threw the oil up in the air. We all fell out. No, that didn't happen. But what <laughs> listen, listen, it starts with the small things. It's small. It starts small. But I'm telling you, God is up to something. Don't listen. We can get so caught up in personalities. We can get so caught up in in religion. We can get so caught up in the lights and the spectacles. But I'm telling you, God wants to do something. And it's so small, but it's going to be so big. And let me say this last point. You guys can start playing. You guys are just looking at me all nice and cute. <laughs> so spiritual truth should never remain dormant. It must be declared. And so this is why we are doing houses of prayer. Because we want to declare into the atmosphere what God is saying. My vision is that we would have a house of prayer or multiple houses of prayer in every region where our church is represented. And we just went to Chantilly. All of my Chantilly people, lift up your hand. Wave your hand at me, Chantilly. 
We started, we launched the House of Prayer in Chantilly just this last Friday. We prayed there. A young girl got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. This week, we're launching a House of Prayer in Alexandria. Pastor Timothy is launching a House of Prayer at his barber shop. I'm telling you, Houses of Prayer, we're going to see one in Lorton. We're going to see one, multiple Houses of Prayer. Why? So the glory of God can be released. So the sound and the voice of God can be released so that we can begin to paint a circle around our community, around our cities, around our jobs, a circle of truth. Somebody say a circle of truth. I can't hear you say a circle of truth. I know the kids are coming in, plug in with me a little bit more. This is why we're doing Generation Arise, because we're going to speak the opposite over our generation, that we're going to declare that this is a generation that is arising. They are not lost. They are not going to go down the tube. They are going to rise up and do the works of God. This is why we're doing Cleansing Stream, because Cleansing Stream, we're declaring the opposite over God's people. Maybe you felt rejected. Maybe you felt like you wouldn't make it. We're going to break the curse. We're going to break the words spoken over you, and Connie and Kevin are leading that this is why we're having prayer meetings before the church and we're teaching the church how to pray so we can start to establish a circle of truth right here in the mall wouldn't that be a good place to start and lastly this is why we're doing cover the city listen guys i'm pleading with you as your pastor i'm pleading with you to become a part of this prayer movement that we're going out and we're covering the city in prayer. And we believe in that place that God will speak to us and give us directions. We're not just trying to go out and meet every need. We're not just trying to do everything. We're trying to do the one thing that God wants from us. And we know that if we pray, prayer is the vehicle that causes heaven to come to earth. And there's no way that you cannot walk around a place. Melody, Pastor Melody, prayed, oh, and her husband walked around this mall when there was no mall. Walked around this mall. 11 years ago when things had went to the dirt and they said Lord raise up a church in Springfield Lord raise up a church in this mall raise up a church in this place and we are here today because somebody walked around and prayed don't tell me your prayer is not powerful don't tell me that you can't make a difference on that school bus don't tell me you can't make a difference in that job don't tell me you can't make a difference at the gym Come on, just lift up your hands today to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Relentless DC podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. For more information about Relentless DC, go to www.relentlessdc.com or facebook.com forward slash relentlessdc.